The Chiefs drop a December game to the AFC West, and Patrick Mahomes might be regressing in Andy Reid's offense? We're going to talk about it right after this. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the KC Laboratory. My name is Craig Stout. Joining me this week is my good pal, Matthew Lane. Maddie, my friend, you've had about 24 hours to digest. Another AFC West loss this year. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It, it's Wait, really. Can you, exp- can you explain that phrase to me like I'm five? I don't think I understand it. So, um, another? The Chiefs play in this division. It's called the AFC West. For the past eight years, essentially, they've. they've that's seven. Like their younger siblings. No, that's typically the way that it goes. But for whatever reason, this year, um, Either the Chiefs got less strong or the younger siblings grew up a little bit. I'm thinking it's probably the former on that. And so that is the second AFC West loss of the season for the Chiefs. It is now the most losses since 2017 for this Kansas City Chiefs team already. And they got two more games to play. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this is going. But how you feeling right now? Vibe check before we dive into the game and then dive into the bigger topic at hand here. But how you feeling? Not, I mean, you know, about the Chiefs, not great. You know, we're coming off Christmas. It's hard to be too upset. Hanging out with the family, you got the holidays going on. Like it's, you know, it's hard to be too upset here. But when we're talking strictly about football, strictly about this podcast, yeah, it, it was frustrating. It's been a frustrating year. It's been, it was a very frustrating day yesterday. All day today, we kind of just been bouncing off, you know, just random theories off of each other through the DMs and all day long, just trying to kind of wrap our head around what is going on. And so we figured, keep let's take, bring it out of the DMs. Let's just have, you know, sit down here and have a conversation about why we think this team might be heading in the direction that it is. I mean, like, it's very clear the offense has regressed. It's taken steps back, and it looks downright ugly at times. So, like, we are going to dive into that. But, I mean, we should probably talk a little bit about the game first, I think. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Derek Hernandez asked in the chat, says in the chat, I'm worried about Kent. You know, this is the second podcast. Just holidays. I don't have to do the thing that Kent does when I'm not here where I have to assure the entire fan base of KCSN that's listening that I am okay or that Kent's okay. It's all good just the holidays maddie and i are going to be holding it down here so yeah um yesterday let's let's lead with the good compliment sandwich this a little bit here we'll lead with the good i don't know if i've got another piece of bread to put on the other side but we'll start with the defense open face uh, compliment sandwich let's go open face compliment sandwich oh dude we need to make that a shirt i love that <laughs> that is wonderful that is or no bread compliment sandwich at times this year. But anyway, um, no, defense was good. Uh, defense was good yet again. I know that, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on that we're going to get into here real quick. But, you know, Chris Jones was a monster. You know, on the rewatch here, just absolutely dominant in all phases of the game. Like, we're to the point now where um, I'm going to be shocked once again. 
if Chris Jones is not at least a second team All Pro. There's you know, a little more competition at the defensive tackle position this year, but he's been really good despite missing a game. He's been really, really good. He's having the same season or better than he did in 2021 when he was a second team All Pro. And in 2021, we're spending a lot of time talking about Chris Jones not necessarily having the best run discipline, how he's a little bit of a sack seeker there. While he may not be as locked down in the run game as he was last year, it's still vastly improved over 2021 and 2020. He's just been a better football player all around, and it's showing up. He's starting to take over games here and there. Lots of pressures as of late. It was good to see him get a, another sack there and basically got the assist on Charles Aminihue's sack. Chris Jones has been really good. This defense is going as far as Chris Jones is taking them, and I mean that in the most positive way possible. If Chris Jones is dominant, this defense might push this team a little further than we're all expecting right now. But, Matty, I, I was just really impressed once again with, with what Chris Jones did, really showing up yet again. Yeah, I, I think Chris Jones has had a good year. I don't know if I feel that he's had quite the year that maybe you do at this point, but he's still been very good. He's still been one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. I just think down in, down out, game by game basis, he's been one of the best and not like the best like he was last year. I think there are stretches of games where his impact seems to disappear and that's, you know, gets a lot of attention. He gets schemed around, but so did he last year. Probably even just as much, if not more so. And so do other best defensive tackles. So like, I just think that he has taken a small step back this year just overall. But this game versus the Raiders was his his best of the year. I said it on the postgame show. Oh, man. Yeah. Lockable to start the game. The Raiders, he kind of messed up their entire offensive flow at the beginning of the game. They could never really find traction. They could not block him no matter what they did. He's getting Steve Spagnuolo and, and Daly, Daly have given, not Daly, but um, Colin have given sure, him. Colin. Yeah. They have given him the J.J. Watt, like, freedom, the green light. He can just go pick his matchup at the line of scrimmage on third downs. He literally moves guys out of his way to go find a matchup he wants. He gets the J.J. Watt treatment. He constantly yep. gets them to just move where he lines up, go pick the guy he lines up against. And it, I, not many guys get that. And the fact that he's there, the fact that he's got that green light and he's making it work is, is awesome. I think that played a big part. And the other thing, Legereus Sneed. Whoo, buddy. Oof. Like, we want to say, I, I I get it, Chris Jones is probably still the most key cog of this team, but man, I the fact that the Chiefs have a cornerback that they can just go put out there, not always one-on-one, -on -one, but the vast majority of the time one-on-one -on -one or one-on-one -on -one with a safety over the top, you know, kind of just satelliting anybody to that half of the field, they can put LeJarrius Steen on any wide receiver in the NFL and feel confident and run the defense however they want without having to shade, without having to add extra help, without having to protect him. I think that probably does just as much for this team. I mean, the the blitzing green lights, the the ability to throw as many players to the quarterback as they want because Legereus needs play, who once again kind of shut down Devontae Adams. If you can only pay one of those guys moving forward, who are you paying, Craig? I'm paying Legereus Sneed, and I know that there's a knee injury and all of that, and I I love Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to be on the wrong side of 30. Legereus Sneed's not much younger, but his arrow is pointing way up. Like, he's just gotten better within Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. He really has, and now that they've kind of figured out the dynamic between Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed and how those guys can rotate in and out, the matchups that suit them both, I... But there's not another corner in this league. And I'm going to say this. I know I'm speaking 
as a homer defensive guy right now, I completely realize my bias. There's not another corner in this league right now that's doing what Legarius Sneed is doing, period. They have played way more top receivers, way more top passing game than anybody else in the NFL with the kind of results that they have. You look at the Cleveland Browns, a really good passing defense. You look at the New York Jets, a really good passing defense. Baltimore Ravens, really good passing defense. They're not doing what LeJarrius Sneed is doing. They're not saying you line up against wide receiver one every single game. And guess what? That wide receiver one is going to be a Tyreek Hill, is going to be a Devontae Adams, is going to be a Justin Jefferson. Like they're, they're playing the hits every single week, and he's just shutting them down over and over and over again. And we're now to the point where wide receivers are very angry when they have to line up against him. Ask Devontae Adams about that. He was pissed all game long. You know, constantly, you know, chipping and chirping at Legereus Need, who's definitely giving it back. I'm not saying that, but he's just been so good. And I'm now to the point where I think his market, because of the injury history, will be a little bit more depressed than his play on the field should get him a contract for this year. So with that in mind, I know the injury history. I know <laughs> I've been treating that knee all, all year long. I would do it, though. Like, I, I think that he's so important to this team. I, I would absolutely do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think, especially with Steve Spagnuolo, he can cover for the loss of Chris Jones, I think, better than he can cover for the loss of Legereus Sneed. You remove Legereus Sneed, you have to completely readjust how you cover on the back end, which completely adjusts how, when you can call blitzes, how you can call blitzes. It kind of takes away your ability to let Chris Jones just sit there and pick his matchup to get one-on-ones, because... The times he gets one-on-ones are because of the pre-snap looks that Steve Spagnolo can show and that offenses have to honor because of all the pressure that they can send. Like, I really do think that if you remove Sneed from this and they have to go back to having a cornerback groom that is good but doesn't have somebody that can shadow a number one right now, I, I think it gets a little dicey. I think corners in general are probably easier to replace the than an all-star, an all-pro defensive tackle. But age, man, you're talking about over 30 in defensive tackle. That's where I get a little nervous about it. I think if you lose Legereus Sneed, I think you see a slip in production from everybody else. I think you let in a, I think you let your defensive coordinator that is great at creating pressure and a, a, a defensive line room that has a lot of resources poured into it go make the plays without Chris Jones being there and try to rebuild that room from it. And that's the theory. And that's the route I go with it, right? Like I, I think it. that's the easiest way. I do, and I get it. And uh, listen, I know uh, there are people in the chat right now that just threw one up there, Cordarius Reed. Easier to replace a corner than it is to replace a defensive tackle. Completely agree. I completely agree. And I'm completely in agreement with Maddie. Like, Chris Jones has the better case for an all-pro nod than Legereus Need does right now. He's just that impactful. Well, I know, but when he takes over a game, it takes over a game. And when Legereus Need takes over a game... You see offenses turn and start targeting other players. It's a little bit easier to just say, all right, Legereus is out there. Let's just not throw at him. And I I know that the all-pro voters do take that into consideration. They do. Like Stephon Gilmore a while back, that was that was one of the big ones. It was like teams didn't want to throw at him. He shut down everybody. And so, yeah, you got to reward that. It's not just about picks. It's not just about what you do with ball production and things like that. So I totally and completely get it. But man, 
the way that they weaponize Legereus need is very, very, very difficult for you know them to come and kind of come out there and replace even with a guy like Shamari Connor who hasn't been bad. You know, stepping up. I, I did want to touch on him a little bit there. Got thrust into the limelight a little bit more. I've liked what we've seen from Shamari Connor. I think that, you know, he's still got room to grow and all of that. But it, it kind of similarly to Brian Cook last year, we started to see a little bit more and a little bit more. And I started to like a little bit more of what we saw. So I'm really kind of impressed by that. Maddie, before we get off of the defense, though, oh, we got to talk about linebacker yeah. rotation. Oh, my it, goodness. Um, Drew Drake will did not play the snaps that I'd kind of hope. We we see this you know week in and week out. Steve Spagnuolo, Brendan Daly, those are the two guys that are helping making make the decisions at the linebacker position. Who's going in? Who's going out? They do a healthy rotation. There's a lot of times there where you see a Nick Bolton and a Willie Gay Jr. together, especially in the nickel to start the game. You'll see maybe a little bit of Leo Chanel sprinkled in there. Eventually, you see some of this 3-3-5 where you've got Drew Tranquil on the field. Then you will also see it kind of evolve to Nick Bolton coming off the field for a drive with Drew Tranquil on the field. Leo Chanel likes to join him in that spot. When they get into the dime, then you see a, a little bit of Leo Chanel and a little bit of Willie Gay Jr. joining Nick Bolton on that. They have a healthy rotation, but usually at the end of the game, they kind of lock into two guys, and it has been at times this year Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton, who we both agree are probably their best linebackers that they want on the field right now. That was not the case this week. And I know everybody's kind of really drilling down on, on the linebacker position at the end of the game there when they're late in the game, exhausted, and one of the linebackers, Nick Bolton, doesn't fill the gap necessarily as well as it is. And now everybody is kind of harping on, why isn't Drew Tranquil on the field? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this... I, there's a lot of discussion to have about the linebacker rotation. It's one of the smaller things to talk about on this team that's a quote-unquote problem because it's really not that big of a problem, Maddie. But you and I both want to see more Drew Tranquil. Like, uh, end of story. Like, that needs to happen. I don't really care who is coming off the field there. I just got to see more Drew Tranquil. It's it's a travesty. Uh, when Nick Bolton's healthy, Drew Trank was just not playing. They've reduced him to the Darius Harris role. Like, he's getting a drive here and there. They, they've found a way to get a package of the 3-3-5 that Craig mentioned. They use that some that gets him up. Like, they work him in there more than Darius Harris, but for the most part, they're treating Drew Trank as Darius Harris on the scene. He gets a drive here, a drive there. With Nick Bolton back, here's some of his snap counts. 31% this game. 38% the game before. Say people were saying, oh, he's working back from concussion, which was made sure, fair. Sure. The yeah. snaps dropped after that. Yeah. But okay, you go to earlier in the year and look what Nick Bolton played. 37%. 46%. Oh, that was a pretty decent one. That was against the Chargers. Like, okay, yeah, maybe he still played him under half the snaps. 19%, 42%. He's not playing when Nick Bolton's healthy. He is very clearly a backup level linebacker, a rotational linebacker when Nick Bolton's healthy. And it's not that Willie Gay and Leo Schnell are bad, but they're not as good. They clearly have their warts. And so, I mean, so does Nick Bolton. So does your triangle. None of them are perfect, but they're all quality players. It's just, it's obvious when he's out there, they have more juice. It's obvious when he's out there, they have somebody else that plays behind the line of scrimmage. They have a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more comfort in space and coverage. They just simply 
look like a better unit when Drew Tranquil is one of the linebackers on the field. And the fact that they refuse to play him is getting infuriating at this point in time. The Raiders essentially had two drives where they accomplished anything on the offensive side of the ball. The first one, Drew Tranquil didn't see the field until play 11 of the drive. When they were at the Chiefs 30-something yard line, they got to the Chiefs 30-something yard line before he got on the field. The final drive of the game that iced it, you know, that eventually put the final nail in the coffin, he didn't see the field at all. The Raiders only had success when he wasn't on the field. That wasn't every play. There's clearly drives where he wasn't on the field where the Chiefs got three and outs or got stops. But just the fact that they were only finding success when he is another, the Bills only found success. I mean, I, I know, like, you know, he didn't play in that game, right? But like they found more success attacking the linebackers when he wasn't out there. You go and look at the Patriots. They found success when he wasn't out there. Teams are finding more success against the Chiefs defense when Drew Tranquil's not on the field. And this isn't a call to bench Nick Bolton for Drew Tranquil. I, that's not what I'm saying. I think the two should play together far more often than they are. There's no need for Willie Gay or Leo Chanel to be getting any reps over Drew Tranquil. There's just not. Those two guys are not as good. There's zero case to be made for them to be as good. They should not play over him. And we're getting to the point now to where I, I'm not sure Nick Bolton should always be on the field over Drew Tranquil. If I have the pick between one or the other, I've not seen Drew Tranquil get attacked in the same way Nick Bolton has. Maybe Nick Bolton's flashes, especially if you include years past, are a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But I've not seen him get, I have not seen Tranquil get attacked on purpose, targeted out by opposing offenses the way, or Drew Tranquil has not got attacked the way Nick Bolton has. I just, the linebacker rotation is driving me insane. You want to give me a weakness of this team, especially with Brian Cookout? It's the middle of the field when Drew Tranquil's not out there. Game after game. Yeah. And I mean, and again, obviously there's there's a certain level. The weakness of the defense is what is what Maddie meant there. Because the weakness of the team is on the yeah. other side of the ball. We're, yeah, no. we're, not, we're not talking about no, that. No. We're, it's not even we're weakness. We're splitting hairs about a really good group, about one of the best linebacking group in the NFL. And it just seems like there's some is still obvious room for improvement there. Obviously, Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo know what they're doing. I'm not trying to say that, and it's worked out. You know, getting these guys reps. If George Frankel didn't have the reps that he had earlier on in the year, Nick Bolton going out would have crushed this team. But getting that glimpse of Drew Tranquil as the Mike linebacker for as long as we did this season tells us what we need to know about what he can do on the field, the way that he sniffs stuff out, the way that he can get to the ball. And when you are going to be in positions where you know teams are going to try and target your linebackers in coverage, they're going to put you in heavy personnel, and you're going to trot out Willie Gay Jr. and Leo Chanel and Drew and Nick Bolton on the field. Willie Gay Jr. is probably the only guy there that you really feel confident about maybe getting into a good spot in coverage. The rest of those guys try, like they're trying to get to some of those spots, but like look at this week. The Raiders line up, they motion guys around, they get Devontae Adams as the number three releasing across the middle of the field, trying to get, you know, Nick Bolton in conflict with him. Bolton did not do poorly on that route, but then. You look a little bit later, Drew Tranquil is in that same position. He gets a little bit beat by Devontae Adams. Teams are focused on trying to do that. Now, that pass was behind Devontae Adams. They were able to speed up Aiden O'Connell, and he threw a poor pass. That's me saying they these guys need to be on the field together because 
They are going to constantly be targeted. And while you may see a Drew Tranquil get beat by Devontae Adams, which going to happen, like that's just going to happen, more often than not, guys like Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil are going to line up, do the right things, and create negative plays. And as we have seen all year long, when this Chiefs defense can get ahead of the sticks, it is almost impossible to to get ahead of them, like to get and keep the drive going. Like we, the drives that we all remember that are big, long Chiefs drives are ones where it's four yards on first down, four yards on second down. Now it's third and short. Now they're converting that. Now they're continuing that. You know, it, that's more of what it is. When we see this Chiefs defense has success, it's Chris Jones, it's Legarius Sneed, it's Trent McDuffie. You know, it, it's these linebackers that are all really good making plays behind the line of scrimmage or making stops at the line of scrimmage. Because once it gets to second and 10, it's usually over. Like, it really is. Steve Spagnuolo has been so good this year. It's so good every year, but so good this year at ratcheting the pressure up, ratcheting the scheme up. That second and 10 matters so much because there are teams that are lining up in 21 and 12 personnel in second and 10. They just aren't. They're lining up in 11. The Chiefs have their blitz packages on the field. At that point, it just makes sense. You got to get those guys on the field. Quit making the little minor mistakes that are the few things here that are costing this defense from putting shutouts on the board because, unfortunately, that's what they got to do to make up for this offense right now. Yeah, and like I think I've seen some people say, and they're going to say, you know, whether it's in social media or in here, like, yeah, we, we are, you know, poking holes in what was a very good defensive performance. We very good defensive performance. Acknowledging the defense played great, and this is just one of, like, literally the only complaint I have. The problem is we're starting to build a pattern now. And when we want to get to the playoffs where the entire goal is to win every single game, every single week, you can't have a mistake that allows a running back trying to ice the game run for 50 yards on one play. Yeah. And when you're not putting the linebacker that by you know, my eye, in my opinion, has played the best of them, that's frustrating. And whether that is for a Bolton or for Chanel or for Willie Gay, it doesn't matter. It's just frustrating to note a pattern that they are purposely keeping their best linebacker off the field. And it has cost them in moments, never made it led to a bad performance, but it has cost them overall in moments. And like that gets frustrating, especially when you consider, yeah, the team has to win with its defense right now. So if they can't give up, then you you can't just give up that play at the end because you can't expect the offense to do what they have to do. Like this is no different than in years past where the offense has to score 40 to win games, right? Bingo. Defense needs to hold opposing teams to almost nothing. Yes, they held them to six points. I understand. But like they just have to hold them to nothing. Like it's that it's that level right now. And when you are not putting one of your better players on the field for whatever the reason may be, that is that can be a talking point. I think moving forward, so like it's not trying to say the defense lost the game or anything like that. It's just really obnoxious to see the best linebacker play less than half the snaps. And this has happened almost every single time where he and Nick Bolton have been active at the same time. They clearly do not want to play either one of them as an outside linebacker, quote unquote, whether it is in the nickel or in the base. Why aren't they playing together even in the nickel? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me either. But you know what? They, again, we are splitting hairs there. Defense gave up six points. Like it, it really is one of those that, like Maddie was saying, previous years where Bob Sutton's defense or Steve Spagnuolo's regular season defense just wasn't cutting the mustard it just wasn't like you were you would watch these games and you'd be like oh here comes another scoring drive and here comes another scoring drive and the offense had to play perfect for different reasons 
because the other team was going to score and they were going to put up points. Now it's the opposite. With defense, you almost have to play perfect to protect the offense against itself, which it wasn't going to matter how well the defense played this week. You know, they could have pitched a shutout and they still probably would have ended up losing this game. So I, it, it was just really tough to watch this. So let's pivot here. I know that we're coming up on a break. Let's go ahead and take that break. Let's go ahead and do that, Maddie, before we really start diving into this. I'll be catching my breath. Because this is just kind of, uh, everything has converged into this point. So we're going to go in on this offense. We're going to talk about it, not just from this year, previous years. We're going to get into all of this a little bit more than maybe we have in the past. So let's take a break, come back, focused on the inferior side of the ball in 2023. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. We are back. It is time to talk offense. I know that y'all are reading the title of this, you know, whether you're listening to the audio podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, you know, or if you're watching live here, it's the title of this. Are the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes regressing in Andy Reid's offense? 
And before we even start this conversation, we both kind of want to lay this out here. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame head coach and a great offensive mind. Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great football player, one of the best in the history of the sport, if not the best. Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Fame tight end and the best one in the history of the game. We understand that the conversation that we are having has to be couched in the fact that we are talking about some of the greatest of all time not living up to their impossibly high standards here. However, a conversation is going to happen here. Keep that in mind as you are listening to this. We all know that Andy Reid is awesome. Andy Reid's a great football mind. But we want to discuss some of the limitations here, some of the things here. Maddie, do you just want to kick this off? Like, it, this was kind of yeah. one of the things. Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of I'm let trying you... to figure out. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where to go with it, right? I'm trying to figure out how to start into it. Because like, it's not going to be about specifically the Raiders game, although I think that encapsulated a lot of it. Uh, here's the thing. It's like the Chiefs offense under Andy Reid has clearly undergone some like different levels. You know, they had Alex Smith for a few years and a good defense and a good running game with Jamal Charles. And it was clearly structured around Alex Smith's mobility, the running game and doing just enough through the air. And then Mahomes comes in and you even have different layers to Mahomes. You come in and Andy Reid almost throws out his entire offensive history into the garbage can and says, let's just chuck it downfield. Now he did that before also with Michael Vick because Michael Vick threw a very good deep ball. They had Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin on one team. Like he had done it before, but like he essentially threw away everything they had been doing in Kansas City when Mahomes first took over. As teams adapted to it, they adjusted the offense, and we got this mixture of the Andy Reid West Coast principles that he's been running since 2002 or whatever, and what they had ran in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes first got you know to the team with just constantly attacking downfield. They married it together for a few years. In 2021, that finally hits a brick wall and it doesn't go well. So what does Andy Reid do last year? They retool some of the positions. They didn't go full back into what Andy Reid did, but they dialed it back a little bit. They pulled things back. They got a little bit closer to what Andy Reid has done in the past, and they became one of the most efficient teams operating in the intermediate area in all of football, but also short. And it almost feels like this year they saw that work, and it almost as they said, huh, I wonder if we double down. What if we get worse at the wide receiver position again? Granted, I know they thought guys were going to develop. We can get into that later. But they said, what if we get less proven talent again at the wide receiver position? And hear me out. What if we throw the ball even shorter than before and see if it works again? Essentially, we are now back to running the oldest of old school West Coast offenses in Kansas City with the Andy Reid flair of the screen game that he really likes, of the trick plays that he really likes. It's just... Mm -hmm. This offense has been pared down to so much of the basic stuff that does nothing to highlight what Patrick Mahomes does well as a quarterback. I don't mean that he can't be good at it. We saw him last year be excellent in a similar-ish offense. It's just they have done nothing. Nothing they do this year really highlights what he does well as a quarterback, except for when he just kind of says, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go scramble and make stuff happen. And oh, wow, that's the few times the offense looks the best. So it's just... It, it's a weird marriage right now of the offensive system that is being implemented and the personnel that they have because they don't even have wide receivers that are nuanced, that are technical, that can run a timing-based offense. Why are you running a short-passing timing-based offense with Patrick Mahomes, one of the most ta- physically talented quarterbacks of all time, and a wide receiver room who can't run a hitch correctly? Yeah. What is? Wh- where's the disconnect there? Why is this the route that it's going? Like That's into the first place you have to start. 
Yeah, I mean it, it, that it, that's the one that kind of baffles me as we've seen this offense continue over the course of the year. It was very clear that they were focused on, okay, well, we're going to take an occasional deep shot. We're going to take some of these things to a Justin Watson, an MVS. You know, obviously we spent most of this season talking about how, you know, Sky Moore's not open on time. Kadarius Tony, you know, not open on time and dropping the ball and also not healthy. It's a really awesome trifecta there. You've got Rasheed Rice, who is still learning coming from an air raid offense that you know is still learning and now you're trying to put him in a very timing based offense and you see like again Patrick Mahomes saying put your hands up and catch the ball this week I mean and it's because of that it's that timing based stuff and then you've got Travis Kelsey a guy who has made his bones as of late running option routes maybe not being as quote-unquote on time now he's certainly more on time than a lot of other guys, but maybe not as on time as he's reading the leverage, as guys are bracketing him, as he's trying to find space and get open. All of that amalgamation means, hey, West Coast offense doesn't work because you can't hit guys on time, because you can't have guys at the right depth, because when you try and throw a hitch route to you know Justin Watson on the sideline, he doesn't come back to the ball. Instead, he allows the DV to go up and get it, you know, because it's not on time. It's not in sync. None of that works. And unfortunately, now we're in a position here where I know, you know, season-long numbers for the Chiefs. People are going to continue to look at the offensive season-long numbers and go, they're fine. They're good. They're top 10 in everything. Everything's good. Since week eight, and I posted this in the KCSN discords, since week eight, the Chiefs are 18th in the NFL in offensive EPA per play. They are 12th in offensive success rate. That makes sense because success rate is one of those that you are measuring on a play-by-play basis. If the Chiefs have three good plays and then turn the ball over on the fourth, it's still a 75% success rate. So it's very difficult to use that in itself. I'm just using that together with the EPA per play here. Since week eight, They are 20th in the NFL when they drop back to pass on an EPA per play basis. They are 19th on an EPA per rush and a 26th in a success rate per rush. Like, that's bad. Like, when they're handing the ball off, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL at staying ahead of the sticks. That's since week eight. None of those are top 10 numbers. None of those are top five numbers. Week eight was the Denver Broncos game. After that, We saw, obviously, that was a bad game. We saw everything kind of change, everything move away and try and dumb things down, try and simplify things a little bit more. And what's happened is defenses have been able to tee off on it, and now you are seeing an offense that not just is not top 10, now we're talking about an offense that's in the bottom half of the NFL. And that lines up kind of with what we've seen. I think all of us would say that about what's happened recently. So people are going to keep spouting the season long. Since week eight, since they made the big changes, it's not been good. And they haven't been able to go with it. And a lot of it lays at the feet of some of these West Coast principles. Yeah. And it's... And you got to figure out why, right? Like, that's the next question, is to figure out, like, why that's happening. Why is the offense regressing? Like, there's so many different pieces that, that go into it, right? There's so many different parts. It could be... 
It could be a well, Patrick Mahomes regressing. It could be Travis Kelsey regressing and not being able to be the top receiver that they thought he was going to be. It could be Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, none of these guys figuring it out. But you look around the NFL, there's plenty of teams with lesser quarterbacks, lesser accomplished head coaches that wouldn't be considered as offensively minded as Andy Reid is that have equal-ish offensive weapons that have figured it out better. So like, what's the issue? And like, this is something that I found is kind of digging around only two times in, since Patrick Mahomes, you know, has taken over with Andy Reid, have the Chiefs thrown the ball less, you know, or over 10 yards as infrequently as they are this year. At 33, 28%, oh man, I am stumbling over all of my numbers right now. <laughs> 28% of the time this year, they have thrown the ball over 10 yards. The only other time that Mahomes has done that in the NFL was in 2021, when we also know the offense struggled. Now, in 2021, the offense gained 2,500 yards on those plays. Yeah, it was a low frequency, but they gained 2,500 yards. This year, they're going to be lucky to hit 1,800. They're just less efficient. They're not doing it very often, and they're less efficient. And we can chalk that up to the Tyree Kill factor. We can say Tyree Kill is the difference of 700 yards. Sure, I'm okay with that, but we got to start looking. Like You look at how teams are stopping the Chiefs. They're just playing soft zone coverage and driving on everything underneath because no one's afraid of them throwing the ball. People aren't taking away the deep pass. They're actively inviting it, and the Chiefs are still afraid to do it. This is And this is something that Andy Reid's done in the past, right? With the Alex Smith years, this was very common for them to throw the ball vertically this infrequently. It happened a few times in Philadelphia during the years where they were struggling, when Donovan McNabb was kind of reaching towards his end in 2007 and 2008 with Andy Reid at the head coach, they started checking the ball down a little bit more, throwing the ball closer and closer to the line of scrimmage at a higher and higher rate. And then guess what? They go get better offensive weapons and Donovan McNabb starts throwing it downfield and the offense resurges. They go get, you know, Michael Vick takes over. They start throwing, they're still throwing the ball downfield. The offense resurges. Like this is something that's happened to Andy before. And I think what happens is things start going not well, things get a little tricky, and he's going to revert back to his comfort zone. He's going to go find what he finds comfort in as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive play caller, as an offensive mastermind, which is drop back, throw the ball as soon as you hit the back of your drop to whoever's open. And that gets us the passing chart that we've all seen by now where Patrick Mahomes is throwing everything at the line of scrimmage. But here's the thing, they've been doing that all year. That's why the Buffalo Bills game, the New England Patriots game was so awesome to see because they finally got out of it. But it wasn't the offensive scheme that got out of it. It was Patrick Mahomes just kind of playing all you know out of his mind for those two games. He's just playing almost perfectly outside of just a handful of plays in those games. And it's just, it's gotten too much. I think it's gotten to the point where Andy Reid getting into his comfort zone, Andy Reid's desire to control everything, to be the guy that is the mastermind that is pulling all the puppet strings is impacting how Patrick Mahomes can play quarterback. And I get it. There's been some mistakes earlier in the year. You want to dial it back. There's been times where Mahomes probably has made bad reads or hasn't played perfectly. Hey, the Raiders game's one of them. So you, Andy Reid's trying to take more control, but he's not exactly building the offense. He's not calling the offense around what Mahomes does best. He's calling it for what he feels the most comfortable with. And I think that's ultimately where my issue comes in. He's calling it like he has a QB or a game manager that just wants to throw the ball after a three-step drop to two yards to a guy that's in the right spot. Well, guess what? Guys aren't in the right spot and Mahomes doesn't want to play that way. That's not his strength. I think Andy Reid's overstepping kind of what where he needs to right now. I think he's taking 
and not on purpose and not literal power, but he's taking more figurative power of this offense than he needs to right now. And I think it's having negative effects on the team. I mean, I just going historically back to that to support some of what Maddie's saying there. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes comes into the league and it even started a little bit with Alex Smith. Like you got to see maybe Andrew was very excited for a guy that was going to push the ball down the field a little bit more. And now you get into 2017 and Alex Smith starts pushing the ball down the field more. Guess what? It really works. Patrick Mahomes comes in in 2018 as one of the best offenses that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. Just is. Teams were not ready for it. They were still playing single high coverages. They hadn't fully made the switch over to two high coverages. Then you got to see, once again, the follow-up year, a little bit more of that. Teams that were very rigid, very stuck in their ways, we can still stop them with single high coverages. We can stop them with cover three. We saw what you know what the Chargers did to them. We saw that we could sort of replicate that, and Andy just had the number. Then you cut to another year after that. Teams start moving towards two high structures. We see the average depth of target drop a little bit in 2020. We saw instances where teams were still very rigid. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers game that year comes to mind there where they just said, no, we play cover one. We're going to play man on the outside. Good luck trying to beat us. We trust our corners. Tyreek Hill goes off in the first quarter there, and they end up winning that game big. That team... Probably should have won the Super Bowl. Probably would have if the offensive line wasn't completely depleted. So the way that that game, the way that that season ended, you're still looking at it as Andy Reid going, "We're still good. We still got some of this." Enter 2021. That's all of a sudden where it, it, that was the Tyreek Hill dropped interception season, essentially, where you had guys out there where maybe you didn't have the same sort of layers. You didn't have a Tyreek Hill a Travis Kelsey and a Kareem Hunt or and another guy that could play in the intermediate or an and there. Now all of a sudden it was just Tyreek Hill, it was Travis Kelsey, and there weren't a whole lot of other options. The guys that they had that they were fielding right there, Sammy Watkins was hurt, was banged up. We saw McCole Hardman, vertical threat guy. You saw Demarcus Robinson best on double moves on the vertical plane. So you had a whole bunch of vertical guys and you didn't have a whole bunch of intermediate guys, just Travis, and then nobody in the shallow game. So now all of a sudden, defenses play a lot more too high. They take away the vertical game. What does Andy Reid do when the turnovers start happening? Again, remember, they went win-loss, loss, win-loss, win-loss to start that season. That team was 3-4 and four in Week 7. What did Andy Reid do? He said, you know what? We're going to condense it down. We're going to start throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage to Tyreek Hill. We're going to see him now all of a sudden try and create after the catch. We're going to see him try and make more. And guess what? Those are West Coast principles, and they worked. That was the sort of thing that when Andy Reid reverted back to his comfort zone, it worked. Now, obviously, they move on from Tyreek Hill in 2021. They go out. They get Juju Smith-Schuster. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have McCole Hartman. We've talked about how defenses played this team different with him on the field last year. And they had MVS, a guy that was much better on the vertical plane last year than he is this year. Now, all of a sudden, you've got guys at all three levels. You've got guys that create space and multiples of them. You can run those timing-based things. You can run the kind of offense that they want. They don't have that this year. 
They don't have anybody deep. They don't have anybody who scares them vertically. They don't really have anybody that scares them on the intermediate level either. And the shallow targets are all going to Rasheed Rice behind the line of scrimmage, Kadarius Toney, who it doesn't work out to, and checkdowns to running backs. Yeah, and that's just well, not working, Matty. No, yeah, it isn't. And I, I think starting with that 2021 year is a good place to start. I, I want to give some shout outs to some super chats that we had yeah. all board, no Appreciate breaks. It, yeah. Yes, no, thank you. I'm glad you are enjoying it. We've literally been talking about this all day privately. Um, from Ross, Andy's kind of calling plays like he has Alex. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And that's that's what kind of spurred where I was going. This like they, We've seen this before. We've seen an offense that looks like this before. Every time the Chiefs try to throw the ball vertical, it's a designed shot play. Whether it's off play action or misdirection, Like they only go vertical on shot plays. And that wasn't even the case back in 2021. Like Stick with that year. They didn't need play action to try to push the ball vertical. Again, they had Tyree Kill. Like, I want to be very clear. And they had Demarcus Robinson, who's a better vertical receiver than anybody they have this year. And they had McCall Hardman, who was still at the time being used as a little bit more of a vertical threat and still really fast. And they they don't have any of that this year, which certainly plays a part. But they were still able to attempt to push the ball downfield. And even in 2021, when they did actually do it, Again, not very often, but when they did, it worked. And so teams still had to respect it. In fact, in 2021, teams were actively taking it away because they had to. They put that soft umbrella coverage on there and they said, oh, and now we're going to back it up. We're going to play deep and then get deeper and see what you do. And the Chiefs took a long time to adapt. They found some answers as the year went on, but it took them some time. And, you know, ultimately we saw in the AFC Championship game in the second half, they didn't do a great job at it as the Bengals were able to beat them. You go to the following year that she said, oh, we see what you guys are doing. Watch this. Intermediate, short, intermediate, short, all game long. Yeah, there's a lot of West Coast stuff, but there was also normal passing plays in there that weren't just that stuff. And it worked. It felt like the Chiefs came into this year and said, we can do that again. But teams looked at them and said, I don't know if you guys can beat us deep anymore. We saw what you just did when we give you that short stuff. When we give you the intermediate stuff, what if we sit in the intermediate spaces, take away that, drive anything short? What do you do over the top? And the answer's been absolutely nothing. And as the year's gone on, they've gotten worse. Look at the two times they've played a team again. Oh. The Broncos and the Raiders, that's been two of their worst games. And look how both those teams played. They played a soft shell top, but they didn't get depth. They sat deep, and then as soon as the play snapped, they're like, whoa, we're not moving. What are you going to do? Run MVS behind us? He won't catch it, nor will he get open, right? And so that's an issue, and that's a huge issue. They've had the same answer from 2021 till now to the, to different problems, like similar problems, but they've had the same answer for two, three years now, and defenses have caught up. This even goes back to earlier with Alex Smith. They had the same answers when Alex Smith was their quarterback. Andy's been using the same answers for essentially the same problem his entire time in Kansas City. This is why I have constantly said you've got to get somebody else in this room to give you a different answer. Right now, it's a bunch of people that only know one way to answer this, and that's to check the ball down, go to this timing-based passing attack the defenses are sitting on. Like, that's frustrating. Now, we're, we've gone a little long on this. Like, I want to transition a little bit to the point that I think kicked us off on this. Yeah. We're spending a lot of time about Andy Reid and like his adjustments. This great coach, Hall of Fame coach, one of the best of all time. So who am I to say that what he's doing is incorrect? But I also go look at any greatest of all time quarterbacks list and start to look at who their head coaches were. Tom Brady had Bill Belichick. That's a great coach. Best coach ever. Mm -hmm. Defensive minded coach. Peyton Manning. Who is his main? I mean, his main coach is going to be Tony Dungy, right? That's who you're going to, that's who you're going to credit to his coach. 
defensive coach, right? The good coach, defensive coach. You start going through the list of any of your greatest of all. Dan Marino doesn't have an offensive-minded coach. The only guy you come across on the greatest of all time list that has an offensive-minded coach is Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Before my time, I didn't get to watch that much. I, I saw him play, but like I didn't get to really sit down with it, right? But like outside of that, you start looking at the Mannings. You look at Tom Brady. You look at Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Like you just look at all these best guys. They don't have offensive masterminds for head coach. Even if you want to get a little bit, you know, deeper and away from the greatest of all time, but competent quarterbacks. It's not like Troy Aikman and Jimmy. It's not like Jimmy Johnson was an offensive mastermind of a head coach. The greatest of all time quarterbacks don't typically have offensive mastermind head coaches. I have a theory for this. I do. And I, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback I'm going to use yeah. as my prime reason for this. You don't get greatest of all time quarterbacks with offensive mastermind coaches because eventually you do have to change the system. Teams will get answers. NFL teams are very good. Eventually stuff has to change. When you have a quarterback who is capable of doing it himself, who has all that talent in the world, your changes have to be centered around him. And when you have a defensive-minded coach or just a good leader of men coach and not an offensive-minded coach, they go out of their way to make sure the answers fit the quarterback. The answers are essentially the greatest of all time quarterback. Bill Belichick wasn't hiring an offensive coordinator that wasn't going to listen to what Tom Brady wanted to do. Peyton Manning was his own offensive coordinator. Nobody knows a single offensive coordinator he played with because it was him. Right, like that—that's what the greatest quarterbacks do. So you go to Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy's his coach, offensive-minded coach. Right, he has his own system. He is considered this offensive mastermind. They go and win a Super Bowl. It's going great. Aaron Rodgers is the next big thing. Guess what ended real fast when adjustments had to be made? When Mike McCarthy started saying, "Hey, Aaron, can you play in my system the way I want it to? When I want these things to change?" As teams started to figure them out a little bit. Mike McCarthy tried to make Aaron Rodgers play his way. And we got this giant lull in Aaron Rodgers' career where there was a lot less success. People wondered if he was washed. They make a quarterback or a head coach change. Here comes LaFleur. What does he do? He says, yeah, here's my system. But guess what, Aaron? Tell me what you like. What plays do you like? How would you prefer to run this general concept? How does it work for you? And guess what? He goes back and has back-to-back MVP-type seasons all of a sudden, he starts playing great again. Do we think there's a coincidence there? Do we think there's a coincidence that this greatest of all time, one of the most talented quarterbacks ever, gets out of one offensive mastermind coach? Not that LaFleur isn't an offensive guy, but when he yes. came in, it was a big thing. He said, this is the Aaron Rodgers offense. It's completely different now with Jordan Love. He ran an Aaron Rodgers offense with Aaron Rodgers. So I just wonder if Andy Reid is trying too hard to run his system with Patrick Mahomes rather than make it the Patrick Mahomes system. And I just don't think you see other top-end quarterbacks go this route. I, I, you can debunk this all you want here. Like, yeah. you can get in here. I've been talking for a long time, but like, I was just thinking about it all day. You don't see it. Outside of Bill Walsh, it doesn't happen. I mean, uh, the only other guy, somebody brought it up in the chat, and I actually had this one locked and loaded. Did not say it to you earlier today. Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre. Mike Holmgren was an offensive-minded coach. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, I, but again, guess who Andy Reid comes from? The Mike yep. Holmgren tree. That's exactly where he comes from. And it worked. It did. It worked with Brett. Now, obviously, one championship, they wish they had more, yada, yada, all, all of that and and how that goes. But 
Well, that one of those. Brett Favre also did. <laughs> that guy did Brett his Favre own also did whatever the hell he On the field, off the field. Off the field, out of life. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, yes, no, I, I realize what we're talking about here. That's a good one. That man yeah. was going to do whatever he wants. I have a feeling that a lot of those quarterbacks and a lot of those guys are the same way. And we don't know if Patrick is that way. I think that we all watch Patrick play football and... When he scrambles, when he gets outside of maybe some of the structure of the play, that's when the magic happens. That's when he breaks defenses. That's when he breaks the will. You know, mentally, he did. It's very defeating to play everything perfectly and to play Andy Reid's scheme perfectly and have a guy that still has the answer. And so, looking at it from that perspective, I understand where you're coming from here. I also think that we are seeing a a drastic shift in the way that these teams are moving. Yes, the the teams that I'm about to list do not have like Patrick Mahomes level quarterbacks. But you are seeing the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, the Matt LaFleur's of the world, the Mike McDaniels of the world, the Sean McVay's of the world, all just kind of, and again, all coming from the same coaching tree, want guys that are going to line up, that are going to do things exactly the way that they want them, and going to try and say, don't mess this up. What I've got works. Do not change this. Do not mess this up. Now, Sean McVay found out you can't just stick any old piece in there. And he had to turn around and go get a Matt Stafford, who is certainly a level of quality up. And Matt Stafford making a play, throwing that perfect dig route in the Super Bowl, the Cooper Cup, was the difference in that game. And Sean McVay admits that. So there is some of that. Andy Reid lets Patrick Mahomes off the leash in the playoffs. I, I I think we all can can look and see it that the the difference is there. Now it's still very much an Andy Reid. I want you to play within the structure. I want you to play this way. But Patrick Mahomes gets to play a little freer in the playoffs there. He gets to suggest things. He gets to stand next to Eric Bieniemy and say, Hey, do we have time to run Wasp? Do we have time to do this? And they listen to him in those moments. I don't know that that, that, that is the case during the regular season. I think we see Andy Reid just saying, because again, and and I'm going to bring this back to this year here. Andy Reid would love nothing more than to run West Coast Staples, executed perfectly, win the game 17 to 10 every single week and never show anything. He wants to get to the playoffs and then open the playbook and say, guess what? Y'all didn't know what to do with us. We're going to unveil everything right now. And to Andy Reid's credit, if the Kansas City Chiefs offense did not give the ball away like candy this year, there are a lot of those sorts of wins that are on this. We are talking about this as one of the best teams in the AFC if they take care of it. So schematically, inside the structure, forcing Patrick Mahomes to play this way does work. We've seen it work. I don't disagree with Maddie here, though. Let it be a little more free. Let it be a little more loose during the regular season, especially with this team. Like, we're to the point now, nobody's having any fun. No, uh, you, you see the way that everybody's dejected watching, walking off the field. You hear them talking in post-game pressers. The, the vibes are low. They're bad. And so, why not? Why not you know, loosen that up a little bit? Why not let the guy kind of go out there and play a little bit more creatively? We got to see a little bit of it with a hurry-up this week. Didn't necessarily work. Patrick Mahomes didn't play his best game of the year or anything like that, but do more of that. Have more fun. 
get some of that stuff that you're doing in the red zone incorporated into the offense a little bit more. Well, hey, guess what? They tried that. It, it didn't work out. But I just think they got to let him play a little more free than the structure when they when they go into this like turtle condensed mode to try and quote unquote fix the offense. It really limits what the best player and the best quarterback in the league can do when you do those sorts of things. Yeah, and like I have no doubts that Andy will you know loosen up a little bit in the playoffs because you got to be more aggressive, you got to show stuff. But just from an overall structuring standpoint, like it still is so he tries to run a very tight ship from the offensive scheme perspective, and Mahomes is allowed to break it, and Andy doesn't. I don't want to say he doesn't care, but he doesn't get mad about it, especially because it works, right? He understands the push-pull. Andy has been very good for Pat to calm down what has been some very wild tendencies coming out of Texas Tech. Pat's been very good for Andy saying like, hey, not everything has to be completely under your thumb. The problem is when things don't go well, I think Andy likes to really press that thumb down. And so now when you have a team, things aren't going well and they need to find answers, the answers have been the Andy Reid answers, and I don't know if they're the Mahomes answers. And when you again, you look back to the greatest quarterbacks, not good quarterbacks, not really good quarterbacks, the greatest quarterbacks, the answers when things go bad for them come from what the is centered around the quarterback. It's not centered around what Bill Belichick wants the offense to be. It's not centered around what Tony Dungy wants the offense to be. It was centered around what's Peyton Manning's favorite passing concepts. What does Tom Brady want out of his receivers? Oh, you don't do that? You're cut. Bye. See you later. Like, that's what it's centered around. For the Chiefs, it doesn't seem like it's centered around Pat. I don't think Patrick Mahomes' favorite passing concept is a bubble screen. Just going to throw that out there. I don't think Mahomes' second favorite passing concept is all hitches at five yards. Sorry, I just don't think that's what he wants to run 18 times in a game. But you know who doesn't mind it? Andy Reid. And we get a lot of that. And I get it. Other stuff isn't working. But I just look around the league, the amount of detail and the route spacing and the consistency of other teams compared to the Chiefs when they run more traditional non-West Coast offense, like principles, concepts, it looks so much better. The Chiefs players run into each other. Their spacing's terrible. They don't know how to actually leverage a corner. They come out of a hinge route and backpedal and fadeaway jump. Like They just don't know what they're doing, and it feels like they came, the Chiefs coaching staff came in this year and said, we know we have to answer this problem. We are going to do it this way, which suits what our head coach is comfortable with, what mm -hmm. the entire coaching staff is comfortable with because they've only coached under him, not necessarily what the players are good at, Mahomes included, but also the weapons they have. Obviously, Andy Reid, everybody on the Chiefs staff knows way more than we do. It's just from a 10,000-foot view watching it on TV, it rarely seems like they are maximizing Mahomes' talents. It doesn't seem like they're always maximizing what these players do because of the system they're running. And that doesn't seem to be the way a lot of the other greatest quarterbacks of all time have had to operate. They get that freedom. They get it tailored to them. They don't have to tailor their game to the system. And I think and, that gets extremely frustrating. Yes, it absolutely does. And again, that's where a lot of these regular season frustrations lie. Like, it, 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 Because again, when they get to the playoffs... It loosens up a little bit. Now, the problem with all of this is it's not going to get fixed. It's not like the wide receiver group now all of a sudden playing in a little bit different scheme is going to be infinitely better. Now, it may be a little better because it's not fully timing based, but I mean, Maddie, I can't remember if you asked the question or if I asked the question in the, in the chat today. There's a lot of conversation that, that was going on. So, when was the last time that 
uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a dig, a dig route. And you said, oh, it was Richie James this week. And I went, well, that was a blown coverage by the Raiders. And you said, well, a dagger concept will do that. For those who don't know, a dagger concept is a vertical route with a dig layered underneath it, putting the safety in conflict. That's the first time in a long time that we have seen a safety bite on a vertical route on that play. And guess what happens? You see a guy that's wide open in the middle of the field. That's why it feels so much like it's pulling teeth with this offense. Like there's no space. Why Jack Jones can just decide, oh, I'm going to put my foot in the ground and get downhill (laughs) immediately on every single play because what are you going to do? Throw over my head? No, you don't even attempt them. It's not even the fact that MVS isn't going to catch them. Like, I get that. But you're not attempting them. You're not trying to push the ball down the field at all. And we're now to the point where safeties are just going to stand flat-footed and they're not going to move. And that's why Travis Kelsey is getting lit up. That's why the middle of the field, why Rasheed Rice is getting lit up. Why Patrick Mahomes, when he hits the top of his drop and he's ready to throw a ball that's deeper than 10 yards down the field, he can't because those guys aren't open because the scheme is structured in such a way that it doesn't do them any favors. And it's why when you see teams like the Minnesota Vikings, like the Kansas City Chiefs' upcoming opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, can go out there with a backup quarterback and just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to wing it still. We're going to still throw the ball down the field. We're going to still find open areas. It's why Kyle Shanahan can play Brock Purdy as a robot all game long because guess what? He's still throwing downfield to Brandon Ayuk. He is still making the safeties have to respect the vertical passing game and it kind of helps that you have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey that are way better weapons, but it just is so much easier to find space. And that's what we've seen out of Andy Reid's offense in the past several years. They don't have that space. They don't have that trust. They don't have that ability to throw the ball down the field. It's why I'm still sitting here going, please get healthy McCole Hardman, because if you offer just one glimpse of a vertical shot, now all of a sudden maybe Travis Kelsey or Richie James can get open in the middle of the field once or twice more a game. It might be all they need. They just don't have it. They don't have the ability to attack all three levels. And Andy Reid taking that offense condensing it down into these West Coast principles, into these quick throws, into these short, short throws. Like, gosh, that the dots are just disgusting from this week for Patrick Mahomes. That's not Patrick Mahomes. It's why all that happens, and it makes it so easy on the defense to just say, oh, okay, cool. We'll just play downhill all game long and hit and bring violence and physicality, which is what Antonio Pierce wants to do. They play right into that with the ski. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. We don't need to, I guess, like continue to to beat this down. I think you know what the what we're saying has come across. The idea has come across. I think, and a lot of it stems from not being able to push the ball downfield. Now, you can argue this chicken or egg, right? I think early in the year the Chiefs tried to take a few more shots downfield that didn't work. Chicken or egg aspect of this is there a little bit. I think they tried as much as they could have, but here's the end result too. Andy Reid okayed this wide receiver group. He was completely yeah. fine with what they had. He was and. Let's go through this. Sky Moore was never a vertical threat. By the way, so was Patrick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah maybe, yeah. hopefully. I assume so. 
I would assume so, right? I would assume so. He's working them out in the offseason. Like, he's the one that's reporting back to Veach, hey, we're good. We don't need you to go up and get a round one receiver. We don't need you to spend Also had a lot of round one wide receivers come work out, too, though. So, I I, I mean, like, but Sky Moore, never a vertical receiver in college, right? I mean, like, he ran some vertical routes, but that wasn't where he won. Kadarius Tony's never been a vertical wide receiver. Richie James, not a vertical wide receiver with the Giants when he had his good year. Rasheed Rice kind of played vertical at SMU, but the Chiefs spent the entire time telling you how explosive he was and good with the ball in his hands. And I think you've seen from his usage, they have no interest of using him as a vertical wide receiver. They came into this year with MVS as their only vertical wide receiver. They came into it. There was no plan to be a vertical passing attack with this team ever this year. There was zero plans on it. And like, yeah, MVS has been worse than you thought. Justin Watson like kind of gets open D, but he's, he's a weird vertical wide receiver. But like he's there, but like there was never any plans to be a vertical passing attack with this team. You can just tell by the personnel they had. They came in with this being a general idea. It hasn't worked. Hopefully this sends them back to the drawing board. I don't think you need a a top three wide receiver in the NFL and Tyree Kill to be functional. We saw that last year, but I do think this team desperately needs something to threaten over the top and a way to pull Andy Reid out of his comfort zone so that Patrick Mahomes can get into his. Because I don't think those two overlap as much as we want to pretend they do. And like I think that's what's missing. Do Andy Reid or Mahomes have to be out of their comfort zone for everything to work, or they got to find the overlap? And this year, it doesn't seem like they found the overlap at all. And I think that's where the issue's coming. Yeah, fully agree. Um, there's lots of problems with this offense. Uh, there's lots of them that just aren't going to get fixed by the end of this year. And once again, hopefully maybe taking the reins off of Mahomes a little bit more in the playoffs, getting a guy like McCall Hardman, somebody had put him in the chat here, go for Casey forever. But I don't see the ball thrown to McCall more than three times. That's all it may take. Like, I mean, it, again, defensive coordinators hate giving up explosive plays. You hit one. The next week's team might be like, ah, crap. Well, maybe they got this vertical thing figured out and you get safeties to play a little bit deeper there. So we'll see. There are things that do need to change. Obviously, Andy Reid and company know what they're doing. It's not like they're just beating their heads against a wall here. This is just the comfort zone. It's what he wants to do. It's what he wants to finish the regular season doing. See what happens in the playoffs. But obviously... There's going to be a focus, a big, big, big focus on that this offseason. Maddie, you got anything more to say on this before I throw us out of here? No, I mean, we, we gave people an hour, over an hour of complaining about Andy Reid's coaching ability of Patrick Mahomes. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think we're good here. Um, I think we'll see what it does next year. You know, we'll see how it plays out. I, you have Mahomes, have Andy Reid. They get to the playoffs, like Justin Watson said. You just got to figure it out one week at a time, then, right? So, yep. get there, and maybe you can recover this season. But like, I hope these first, you know, fifteen, sixteen weeks here have been a wake up call that it can't be the Andy Reid style offense and that only. There has to be more to it. We will see when they get to the off season or how they finish out this year, and then the off season how they plan to kind of counter that. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening so much to us nerding out about how Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time and simultaneously potentially maybe slightly this season ruining one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So please go back and listen to my my little spiel before we even started this. Don't clip that. Um, (laughs) So that's going to do it this week for the KC Laboratory. I'm Craig Stout for Maddie Lane. Be kind to each other. And we will catch you later.